0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: It's the Stinkin Truth Podcast with Mark Schlerett. Presented by Sweet Sweat.
0: Hey, welcome into the Stinking Truth Podcast brought to you by our great friends over at Sweet Sweat with a chance, obviously, as we go question mark later on in the program to win a great gift bag of home workout stuff. From my friends at Sweet Sweat, so check them out at sweetsweat.com. Also, Marks All Pros, uh, the referral network that we are building right now, marksallpros.com for more information there as well. Sweet We thank you for uh, all you do presenting this show, Mike.
1: How are you, my friend? I am well, and I'm, I'm coming off the high of what ended up being a much better, much better produced. Um, Incident-free, entertaining, uh, personable draft than I ever would have thought. Kudos to the NFL, to Roger Goodell, to ESPN for putting on a heck of a show.
0: Yeah. it Well, you know, I first off, I want all the people, every one of the people, that basically slammed the NFL for going on with free agency, that slammed the NFL for not delaying the draft, that slammed the NFL for being tone deaf, that slammed the NFL for everything to apologize. Because what the NFL did was Tremendous. It was great. It was great theater. We were locked in as a fan base. It gave us a distraction. It gave us something to argue about on Twitter with other fan bases. It was I, I think it couldn't have come off. Any better. I, there are people out there that are going, forget going back to the regular draft and putting it from, you know, Nashville last year. It was supposed to be in Vegas this year. I think next year um, it moves to Kansas City, then it goes back to Vegas. Forget that. Let's do it all virtually. Like, let's make the whole thing a virtual draft from this point forward. Uh, what a tremendous job. I'll be the first to bag on Roger Goodell when I think Roger Goodell does something dumb, but I have to give him a ton of credit. Roger and the NFL great job by you guys pulling this thing off because um i don't think it could have gone much better than it
1: did mike i, I don't know if it was the the novelty of of what we we're watching and seeing all these nfl general managers and decision makers hunkered down in their basements and uh home offices and uh there's there's bill belichick's dog hanging out you know right. he's feeding him treats and all of that it i it it personal, personalized these guys, uh, I think, a lot. And then you had a lot of them with kids, and their kids are hanging out. And Mike Vrabel's son is 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 dropping a deuce in the background, right. and and all of that. Kingsbury's hanging out in his, his architectural design palace. Uh, Jerry's on his two hundred fifty million dollar yacht. Goodell is you know reclining in his Barker lounger, looking like he's ready to take a nap at at, at any point on Friday night. I it was it was it was cool. And then he got all the players. Uh, hanging out with their moms and dads and brothers and sisters. I I got to say, I, I like the quarantine draft better than the regular draft. And I, when we hopefully get back to normal uh, next year, I I know we're going to go back to the big parties and the big shows and all the glitz and glamour and the $5,000 suits. But I'll tell you what, I like this a lot. I did too. I I, I
0: really did. It. Yeah. Like you said, humanized. Obviously, Vable Son's a social pooper. I'm a social pooper too, though, Mike. I'll leave the door open. It doesn't like I'll have a conversation with you. You know, it doesn't really. I always wanted to do pooping with stink as a segment. You know, and just be on the toilet. You know, talking to you about football while I'm taking a you know taking a tights. So good for Vable <laughs> Son. You know, good for brave April's son. You know, going ahead and and um, and dropping a deuce right there on national television. Uh, <laughs> even though it was a a reflected mirror deuce, it was still you know tremendous <laughs> that you decide not to, that you don't close the door. Oh, uh, we just got like, a new
1: term: the reflected mirror deuce. Yeah, I, I mean, like
0: good, it. Good for good for you. Like you said, uh, you know, did 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 Bill Belichick? Did he um. Did he, did he become a little bit more humanized when he gave his dog a treat? Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, he just yeah. became more human, right? Yeah, yeah. You're like, maybe Bill Belichick isn't a cyborg. Right. Maybe he's not from the future. <laughs> like, maybe, just maybe he's a real person. And how about Jerry Jones just flexing on his $250 million? Dollar, I mean, just Jerry Jones. But I enjoyed, like, I enjoyed it. It looked like Bruce Arians was out on his patio, yeah. you know? So he could smoke a cigar or whatever. And, like, I enjoyed, I enjoyed kind of that, that whole aspect to it that, you know, you're back down in their kind of quote unquote war room, going through their stuff, trying to make sure that, um, that it works. It was, it was fun to see that. And then, you know, just the raw emotion. I don't care who you are. When you see, you know, these kids get drafted, their family members are there, they're all kind of hunkered down. Um, you know, it's pretty. It's pretty special. The center from Michigan, Ruiz, yeah. who just broke down. Like it. It just. I. I just thought that was. I just thought that rawness to, the realness and that rawness was awesome.
1: I think ESPN could have backed off uh, all the. Let's jump in right away with the personal tragedy that uh, this person has had to overcome. I can't tell you how many times it seemed like there were four picks in a row where each. Uh, each each bio started with well when his father died, you know mm-hmm. I was like come right. on man I mean let's uh, let, 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 let's upbeat upbeat things a little bit but uh, all in all, it was a, a well done show, no glitches it, it was pulled off I think better than anybody could have hoped for and um, boy, it, did the draft give us a lot of content or what and what what where do we start uh, all right in your opinion wh- which team? or teams stood out for you in terms of doing it well?
0: Well, I you know, I always will go back um, to the Baltimore Ravens. You know, more things change, the more they stay the same. The Baltimore Ravens, to me, understand, like, it's about football players. It's about controlling the front seven. It's about, you know, it's just about mashing people. And they always feel to me like, Like, more than anybody else, they're not worried about name value. They're not worried about that. They're worried about big – like, give me big physical football players and we'll figure out how to win with those guys. I love the Patrick Queen pick. I thought that was a tremendous pick. The J.K. Dobbins pick. I mean, that guy, you watch him every weekend at Ohio State on television. He just seems to – I mean, he just seems to dominate guys. So, I always feel like the Ravens just kind of, quote, unquote, get it, you know. Um – I thought what the Vikings did, you know, they got rid of the mercurial uh, Stephon Diggs and said, okay, you know what, we don't, we're don't, we not going to need you. They got a first-round pick for that. They got Justin Jefferson, who was just his best in big games. They also got, you know, a cornerback in the first round. Then they went back to the board, got Ezra Cleveland out of, Bo- uh, out of Boise State in, in the second round to play offensive tackle. I mean, I, I thought they did a great job. Um, another one of my favorite teams that came into the draft with very few picks and really addressed issues, addressed things that they needed to address was the San Francisco 49ers. I thought they were, Mike, I thought they were tremendous in this draft in that, you know, first off, they traded back one pick with the Buccaneers who wanted an offensive tackle, right? So they trade back one pick with them, and then they go out – and they get the guy they wanted in the first place anyhow in Javon Kinlaw. And obviously they lost DeForest Buckner, who was a former first-round pick. He went to Indianapolis. And so they de- they replaced him with another guy that looks just like DeForest Buckner in Kinlaw, who many people thought were was, you know, obviously the second or third best defensive lineman in this draft. And they have a formula. like uh, Like, at one point I'm meeting – um, with their with their defensive coordinator Robert Sala, and he goes, listen, man, I can't wait to break out. Five. I'll call it five ones or whatever he said. He goes, "We got five number one draft choices here." You know, they had Nick Bosa and they had Buckner and they had Armstead and they had um, Solomon Thomas and DeForest and excuse me and uh, and D Ford, who they got in free agency from Kansas City. Go. I just want to line all five of those guys up at one time and let them go. You know, wreak havoc on the quarterback. One thing about them is they understand, and this is something they do better than anybody else. They've got that talent, Mike. They've amassed that talent, and they've used that talent effectively in that at the end of games, they're usually fresh because they have a great rotation, and they're not losing anything when one guy leaves and another guy comes in. Then they address with their second first-round pick. They trade back up into the second uh, first round. They get Brandon Ayuk, the receiver from um, Arizona State, and, and and then they find a way to trade for Trent Williams, a third- and a fifth-round pick who honestly is is you know one of the great players that we've had the pleasure of watching over the first or over the last seven years or so with washington now they're gonna have to pay him but um they they pull off a great trade they bolster the both lines of scrimmage they dominate both lines of scrimmage that's what they do as a football team and then they piecemeal the rest of it together i thought they i i I just it's the way you're supposed to do it in my mind
1: new england choosing not to take a quarterback they went into the draft Belichick saying that they would draft a quarterback and then when it was all said and done saying well it just just didn't work out so where do they go from here are they do you think they're really prepared to go with Jared Stidham at quarterback I still think Andy Dalton could be in play to them but-
0: I yeah I think there's I think there's a chance I mean obviously Jameis Winston just signed with and I didn't think Jameis Winston would ever like I didn't think Bill Belichick would ever sign Jameis Winston with 39 turnovers no thank you I'm not playing that game so I never thought that that was in play for them Andy Dalton seems like it could be in play for them you know again the way they the way they operate as an organization we are not going to be dictated. Um, to in the draft by a position that that the general public thinks we need like we if the guy falls to us that we want in the position that we want him we will take him if not we're just not going to do it and this is the this is the perfect case in point with the new england patriots is that we're not doing that a team that i think has been better than any other team in the last two decades of not only doing uh, of not drafting guys necessarily, but developing guys. I think they've done a great job developing and finding players that they have turned into great players, whether it's players from other people's teams um, or, you know, guys they draft late and develop into really good players. So I, I really I, – I look at that and I, I will give them, based on six championships over the last two decades and nine appearances, I will give them the benefit of the doubt and think that they have a plan. I I definitely think Jared Stidham is going to get his opportunity, Mike. I, I think he's going to get an opportunity.
1: Hmm. Okay, uh, staying in the AFC East, then. Think New England's still the team to beat, or is is Buffalo finally ready to take the crown away from them?
0: Well, I think based on like I think based on two things with Buffalo, like. Buffalo was built the way, you know, the way that I always think you should build a football team from the inside out. Buffalo is a dominant defense. They dominate the defensive line. They are a front seven, like they are cyborgs on the front seven. They've got a great front seven. They'll beat you up, and they can run the snot out of the ball. And those two things, and even their quarterback, you know, their quarterback factors in their ability to run the ball. So, I look at the Buffalo Bills, and you know a lot of people sit there and say, "Well, they they drafted a quarterback in the first round a couple of years ago, so that's why." No, that's not why. Uh, they they win because they dominate people up front on both sides. They run the snot on the ball, and you know, and they've got a dominant defense, as you well know, Mike. That's what they do. So, I will give them a ton of credit, and I think they've got the opportunity um, to take that division over. And I don't think it's based. I think their quarterback will continue to improve. But I really don't think it's their quarterback hoisting them to the promised land. I think it's the way they're built from the inside out. And the fact that now that there are are questions at the quarterback position for New England, um, that they'll be able to finally take that division over. I I like what the Jets did as well. You know, I like the Jets Mm -hmm. addressing their offensive line. You know, a lot of people will sit there and you know look at what Denver did and everybody'll get all because it's a fantasy football driven league you know and they'll get all twitter pated over look at the speed the trap uh, of the draft the broncos get look at the explosiveness of the draft of the broncos and and this that and the other and, and you know i i try to remind people that you know diarrhea is explosive i don't want it every day <laughs> so and i'm not i'm not saying like i'm not saying that they're not really good players. I'm just saying you you want a young quarterback to excel, protect him. Give him an opportunity to be protected. The, you know, the Broncos they were negligent in addressing the offensive line because they're like, well, we can survive. You know, we'll we'll put two average or below average players out there at the left tackle position and let them and let them fight it out. And and again, you know, I look at that like, are like, are you really are you really gonna be, you know, are you really gonna be able to to survive in in that fashion? But and you so-
1: got to admit, it's kind of interesting. It's fascinating to see what Elway's doing with the Broncos in that in just basically two years, he's completely remade that offense into one that is young, uh-huh. fast, mm-hmm. potentially explosive. Mm-hmm. and all with the we're not even bothering hiding it this is all about Kansas City. We are all about trying to outchief the chiefs right right and you know the thing which that, is ballsy yeah well it it is <laughs> and hey the Raiders did it too. Yeah, the Ra- the they Raiders- took a
0: receiver in the first and two in the third. Yeah, the Raiders did it too. You know, it's, it's all about team speed, and you get enamored. See, here's the problem, again, in the fantasy football generation that we live in, and I think general managers like John Elway and other general managers fall victim to this as well because, you know, it's it's obvious. Yeah. When you watch Kansas City, you see all that speed, Mike, and you're like, oh, they got so much speed. And I think there, there are times where what you fail to recognize is, is the dirty work getting done with that speed. Like, hey, I understand that, that they've got a ton of speed, but remember that Hill was a fifth rounder. Remember that uh Kelsey was a third rounder. Remember that, that uh you know Watkins was a fourth overall player taken, but he's on his third team, so there's a re you know, there's there's a there's a limitation there. Hardman was a second rounder. Yeah they got a ton of speed. But the thing that to me sets them apart is They got an offensive line where they can lock you up, and they can get five guys out in the pattern, and they're like, "We can block you." Schwartz on the outside, while Fisher on the outside has developed into a really good player. You know, I just think they've got—I think that that people fail to recognize that because that's the hard thing to see. Like all these draft evaluators, Mike, all these draft evaluators can see speed and athleticism and they're like wow this is great you know a plus a a minus a a plus b b plus a and you can see all that cuz speed is easy athleticism is easy to see it's easy to see for anybody but these same evaluators that are telling me hey man this is a great draft you know they totally supported Drew Locke they can't tell me the difference between a 25 front and a 57 front they don't know and 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 my point is and my point is this the things that you don't see are, are you know, are what makes, like, are what makes it go. Like, let's, let's use building a house. Let's, building a house. You can build the most beautiful house in the history of homes, right? And it can have all the bells and all the whistles, and it can look great. And if you don't put the foundation down correctly, you know what's going to happen to that house?
1: It's gonna, gonna fall sink. apart. It's gonna rot.
0: It's gonna fall apart, and and so I I'm a foundational guy. I, I just like, hey man, you know what? You can you can build a kitchen and you can put all the best appliances in that kitchen that you want, but if your wiring sucks, those appliances aren't gonna work. You know, I, I just I, again, and that's. That's my personal belief. That's so, why I say the Jets, you know, going out and getting Beckton and then going back in the second round and getting Mims, wide receiver from Baylor who can really run, and then addressing the safety position and defensive end position. And, and uh, you know, I'm a I'm a believer in building a team from the inside out, like the Baltimore Ravens getting big physical guys that can control lines of scrimmage. And, and I just believe that's what wins. And, you know, I've had multiple conversations with GMs and coaches, um, I sat down and talked to, uh, during a meeting, talked to uh, Pete Carroll, who was just like, dude, this is great, man. This league is turning back into the 90s football. Run the ball because all defenses have become positionless, right? We want to play nickel and dime to everything. And offenses say, okay, well, let's condense, get big, and let's pound it down and throat. Keep a nickel guy in there or keep a dime guy in there, and we'll cram it down. We'll put a, a 200 or a 300- Thirty pound guard on your, you know, two hundred and ten pound nickel player. Good luck, and and that that part I love. So we'll see, you know, we'll see if if speed kills, and um, you know, we'll see the difference in philosophy. Um, but uh, but I'm a believer in big, strong, and and win the line of scrimmage.
1: Which uh, which quarterback should be looking over his shoulder more, Aaron Rodgers at Jordan Love or? Carson Wentz at Jalen Hurts. Um,
0: I think I think ultimately it, it becomes Aaron Rodgers. Um, remember Aaron Rodgers, thirty six. When Aaron Rodgers was drafted by the Green Bay Packers, you know how old Brett Favre was, thirty five. So we've seen this play out before, right? So this is basically to me, this is an indicator that hey, Aaron, you know we're going to groom this young quarterback for the next couple of years. And, um, and when you become, you know, you become expendable two years from now, we're going to move on, just like we did with Brett Favre, and you're going to finish your career somewhere else. That's that's what it seems like to me if, in fact, love becomes that guy. And, and here's what I'll tell you, um, and I know this to be factual. You know, back in the day, and Aaron's been big on less practice. He's been one of those in the collective bargaining agreement, right? He has been a big proponent of – Let's not be around the facility as much. Let's make sure we, you know, like he, that's been his mantra, right? You've heard that. He has not wanted to sign these deals because he wants more time away and more offseason and more vacation and more this and more that. Well, I will just tell you that when they were making the transition, Brett Favre was still playing at a really high level. But what they were seeing was Brett Favre, never living, never leaving Mississippi to come back to these mini camps and OTAs and all these things that Brett Favre didn't want to go to anymore. And what was happening was Aaron Rodgers was living there full time, and they kept watching Aaron Rodgers get better and better and better in practice, running the organization, being in charge, like doing all these things. They kept seeing this this transformation. And at that point, they decided, well, heck, you know what? that that's good enough for us. It's time to move on. And so, you know, all this, I don't want to be around. I don't want to be at the facility. Let's have more time off and stuff. You know, you take advantage of that. If you're Jordan Love in the next two years, you're probably going to get an opportunity to, to, you know, lead the Green Bay Packers. Wentz. Wentz is just an injury issue. Like, I, I don't believe that. I don't believe that it's about, Hey, we don't like, Carson Wentz. I think they love Carson Wentz. It's about, hey, man, how often is Carson Wentz going to be available? Like, you know, availability is um, is big. And, and so, you know, I look at Carson Wentz kind of like I look at the situation in New Orleans with Taysom Hill is, you know, Taysom Hill I think was in the offense like 23% of the time. So, there's a limited role. We're going to create it for you. You're going to play multiple positions. We're going to give you an opportunity to do those things. And, you know, eventually, depending on how Carson Wentz's career goes, you know, you're going to get more and more time at the quarterback position. But, um, you know, I I look at him as an adjunct in that situation. And if Carson Wentz gets hurt, he's a security blanket. So, I don't think – I don't think there's really an open competition. Like, hey, let's here. Here's your opportunity to overtake Carson Wentz. I really believe it has to do with, um, you know, the lack of stability based on injury history.
1: All right, Mark. Let's uh, get into some question mark. What do you say? Okay, I love it. Let's do it. All right. First one here is: Do you believe the Giants pick at number four was a reach? Uh, Andrew Thomas, the tackle out of Georgia. No, because I, I don't
0: I don't think so. One, he was a really good player. A really good player and I've talked to a lot of people that I have a lot of a lot of trust in and and here's what I'll tell you I, I talked to one offensive line coach that had the opportunity to not only evaluate all these guys but to meet with them at the combine and said the ceiling for Andrew Thomas was like probably in his opinion the maybe the highest ceiling he and, and Becton because of Beckton's athletic ability but said that his understanding of football his knowledge of was off the charts his understanding of defenses defensive fronts how they're tied together with with safety rotation and all those things off the charts intelligence the other thing is is that he played some i think he played both right and left tackle so you can start him at right if that's what you you are so inclined to do because you know you have a, a guy that you paid a ton of money to play left tackle for you who's probably you know only going to be in the in the league for another year or two and then you're going to move on and then you can move him over to left tackle and lock him down there so I, I like I think what the Giants did there were four guys who were considered elite tackles and like I said I talked to one a guy that I totally trust in his ability to evaluate who thought that um the biggest upside was for for Thomas um so no I'm not I I don't I don't think that was a reach at all
1: all right, next one. Uh, what was the most uh, surprising move of the draft for you? Um, most
0: surprising move of the draft. Wow. I mean, what? Like, give me some. Well, give me some options. I, I, you know. All right. So, can it be a trade? Sure. How 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 can you manipulate this draft and get Trent Williams, who is? you know the the one of the if not the best left tackle in football and you get him for a third and fifth round pick here remember now here's the crazy thing now i know and again Houston fans are going to go like this don't don't even start but Houston gave away two first rounders for Laramie Tunsil now Laramie Tunsil's a good player right but he he would be he'd be you know Trent Williams caddy I mean, he's a good player. Two first runners. You got him for a third and a fifth round pick.
1: Now but know, with the but with the understanding, you're going to have to pay him.
0: Oh okay, yeah, because I don't wants want to get paid. Oh yeah, because I don't want to pay the best player at his position in football. I don't want to pay good, good players. Right? Like I, I get that you're going to have to pay him. And you know, and and for all those uh, for all those teams that. Cry poorhouse, and we can't pay everybody. And and all you got to do is, hey, look at, didn't Jared Goff sign a contract with a year ago? Didn't he just renegotiate that same contract he just signed a year ago to free up seven eight million dollars in cap space?
1: It can be done. Yes.
0: Yeah. So you know, I, I like if you want to pay a guy, you'll pay him. You'll find the money if you want to pay a guy. If you don't want to pay him, you know, you'll cry poor house and cry salary cap constraints, and you'll pretend that it's a hard cap and there's nothing that can be done, and, and, you know, and you'll lie through your teeth um, because that's what you do. But I just found that fascinating. Like, there is no third or fifth round pick that is even going to compare. There's no first round pick that's going to compare – to Trent Williams and what Trent Williams is. Now, again, you know, you're talking about another, what, three or four years? But with that said, when you're a Super Bowl contender and you just lost a Super Bowl and you had one of the best left tackles in football, he's going to retire in Joe Staley, and you're able to replace him with arguably the best left tackle in football who took a year off, so he should be fresh, and you can do it with a third and fifth round pick Kudos to them. Like, the Niners just get it, right? I mean, they got rid of Buckner. They they knew they targeted the guy that they wanted in the draft, which was Javon Kinlaw. They moved back a space to get another pick, and they ended up getting Kinlaw anyhow. And, you know, they they still have on their roster five former first-rounders on the defensive line. They've got a rotation like nobody else in football. And like to me, they get it. They understand it's about controlling the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, and then you know go out and get a Brandon Ayuk at the wide receiver position with the 25th overall pick, and you know that'll add to who you took last year in in Samuels, and it, like they just they just you know they just they get it, man. They get it.
1: One more. Uh, can we agree, Mark, that draft grades is a waste of time? Oh, yes. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. It is a colossal way. Because you don't – I mean, honestly, you don't know what any of these guys are going to be, Mike. No. You just, you just don't. No. Until, you know, until they play and until they go through it, you don't know what they are. Um, you hope, you know, and – what was it? And you brought this up. What was? What did Bruce Arians say about all the homework that you do and everything else that you go
1: through? Oh, with quarterbacks, he says you can do all the homework, all the due diligence, and it still comes down to thirty percent guess. Right. It's guesswork, man. That's
0: uh, that's what it comes down to, I, and you just I, never know how a guy is going to respond. Once he gets in the league, is he going to be overwhelmed by the speed? Is he going to be overwhelmed by the athleticism? Is he going to be overwhelmed by the understanding and the, and the, the knowledge that you have to have? Is he going to be overwhelmed by, by, you know, how you have to change on the fly and you got to be right. You know, you, like all those things, those factors come in and, and you're just not quite sure
1: until a guy gets the opportunity to do it. Yeah, that's what bugs me, is the idea that these grades are given out on, well, this is what this player is going to end up doing or not doing. That's ridiculous. You Mm -hmm. don't know. But I think it is fair to grade a team based on, okay, here's what I thought their needs were, and here's how they try to go fill those needs. Then I I think you can grade a team on their strategy or their approach. Right. But as far as grading them on... Yeah, you know, this guy, man, I don't know why they drafted him because he can't play. You don't know. You know, just right. like you don't know, this guy's going to be a surefire star. So, um, but, yeah, if you want to grade a team saying, all right, I like the way that they try to address their need and the way they use their first-round pick and the way they move it, fine, you could. I, I have no problem with that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, what you're saying makes no sense.
0: Yeah, I, and, and I will tell you, I, I will look at them and say, man, um, you know, all these teams, like, I'm with you 100 that that addressing the needs that you have and getting players that have had college success at those positions that's that's great and you can grade them based on filling those needs but you just never know I mean Bill Polian was a six time I just watched something on Twitter he was the six time executive of the year and his assessment of um. Tyran Matthew was, he's not going to be a very good NFL player. He's a nickel guy at best. He doesn't have elite level speed to cover people, you know, blah, 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 blah. He's just not going to be very good. And, you know, and that was his opinion at the time. And obviously he, uh, you know, obviously he is, he has turned out to be a phenomenal player and a versatile player who plays both in the nickel and plays at the safety position and does all, I mean, he does everything. He's just a great football player. And it just goes to show you that you just, you don't know. Like, the the time to grade these drafts is three years later to see exactly kind of how these guys transition and how they play. Because, you know, you and I went back and looked at the 2017 draft and, and top ten players. Here's Bill Polling again, six time executive of the year. That says if you draw a draft in the top ten, you know you should be thinking about fitting a guy for a gold jacket, right? Right. That's what he said. Right. And you and I went back and looked at the 2017 draft, which now is you know three years old, right? They've had the 17 season, the 18 season, and the 19 season. They're going into their fourth season, and out of the top ten, six of the uh, six of those players we determined were below were either average below average or busts. Right.
1: 6. Right. 60% failure rate in the top 10 picks. And average by the way is failure to me. If if you're taking a player in the top yeah. 10 and he becomes an average player, that's a failure. Yeah, he's supposed to be a difference maker. Yeah. So, <clears throat>
0: you know, I mean that's that's kind of where that's kind of where I'm at. Well, and Polian,
1: um, even, you know, he talked about Lamar Jackson be better off as a as a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. It's proof that even the ones that do it better than most get their fair share wrong. So that that tells you the ones that aren't as good as Polian, how many they're getting wrong. So right. that speaks to the, you know, 50-50, sometimes crapshoot nature of this whole, uh, this whole exercise. But it is a fun exercise. It is a fun exercise. And you know what? In the sports-starved times that we find ourselves in, how refreshing was it just to be able to plop down on the couch, watch several hours of draft coverage, debate, uh, argue, uh, criticize, praise what teams were doing, and and maybe for a few hours not thinking about what was going on outside your living room? Right. That was that
0: – was, it was I, – again, I just give kudos to Roger Goodell and the NFL for not cowering to, you know, the – the, you know, the, I, you know I, I hate to, the term is the woke, you know, the woke nation. They're not just not cowering to the fear mongers about, oh, and, and, you know, and, oh, you guys are, you know, you guys are tone deaf or whatever. Thank you for being tone deaf because it gave us <laughs> yeah. three days of entertainment. Yeah. Right. Desperate, so thank Desperate, you for Desperately
1: needed it. Yep. Absolutely. absolutely
0: Okay. So uh, who wins, Mike? Ooh, that's a good Which question do you like?
1: I, um, hmm i think the whole because i think just how do we how do you take what your your favorite team did and and the reaction and overreaction to the draft i think the draft grades is a is a great question
0: all right that is andrew moore uh andrew moore you are going to get a you're going to get a package from my friends at sweet sweat the uh presenting sponsor of this show um a 75 five dollar plus gift package uh so uh, enjoy that, Andrew. I will uh, reach out to you via Twitter, and um, I will follow you, and then I will direct message you, and um, And uh, congratulations. So for everybody involved in the Stinky Truth Podcast, for Mike, for Scott, for Ben, and for myself, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you to Sweet Sweat for sponsoring the program. Thank you to Mark's All Pros as well. When they make some money, um, they'll probably sponsor it as well. So... <laughs> Or maybe I won't. Um, Anyhow, thank you so much, and we'll be back with you guys uh, later on.